0: Well, just a quick shout out to all of you who are with us right now online from many different places worshiping, and also those of you who might watch this later this week on demand, hello to my wife and my daughter Ellie who are watching right now on their drive home from a soccer tournament in Texas, and they won two to zero, amen. We are in week two of our series on steps, and last week I preached on the vision and mission of this church, this church family and challenged you to step in to that vision and that mission. And this morning, the content is all about discipleship and fellowship, how you can take a step out into further commitment to your personal discipleship and further commitment to engage in the community and fellowship that exists in this church. So uh, you're going to hear from Dave Brown, our adult discipleship pastor, as well as our student and family pastor, Wopsle. They're going to co-preach this morning, and uh, it's going to be a little bit of a different format because early this week, uh, we learned that Dave and Brandy's three kids uh, were forced to quarantine at home. The three kids happened to be under four years old. Uh, so needless to say, the Browns have been on quite a mission trip this week. Uh, juggling everything at home. He was kind enough to come in this week while they were napping and pre-record his portion of today's service uh, and sermon for us this morning. So you're going to interact a little bit with the screen with Dave and also wopsle in person. So let's get this started. Please direct your attention to the screens. Here's our adult discipleship pastor, Dave Brown. Good morning,
1: Redeemer. I'm disappointed to not be in person with you as I had planned, but because of the wonders of technology, I'm thankful I can still share with you the things that God has been putting on my heart. Today, we are in part two of our Steps series. Last week, Adam outlined for us the vision of Redeemer Church, which is Redeemer exists to see Christ exalted in our church, community, and world. Although the vision is easy to understand, and looks great on the website. We want it to actually describe the reality of who we are here at Redeemer. And for that to happen, it means taking discipleship seriously. So this morning Wapsal and I are going to be talking through what discipleship means to us while describing ways that you can either start or progress in your journey of discipleship here at Redeemer. So what exactly is a disciple? A disciple is anyone committed to pursuing Christ and Christ's priorities in the world. Let's pause there and take a minute to talk through what the word committed means. To be committed to something involves adopting a lifestyle. If I'm committed to eating healthy, then I intentionally buy food that will contribute to my health. If I'm committed to my spouse, it means not only supporting her day to day, but it also means being faithful to the promises I made to her on our wedding day. And both of those things take whole new life orientations. Therefore, being a disciple involves adopting a whole new lifestyle of pursuing Christ and pursuing his priorities. And that's different, really, than simply adding one more thing to our already too busy lives. If I simply attempt to just add Christ to my current life, I will fail miserably at being a disciple. I'm going to say that again because it's important. I want this to really sink in. If I simply attempt to just add Christ to my current life, I will fail miserably at being a disciple. So what type of lifestyle are we committing to as a disciple of Jesus? The best biblical example of a disciple's lifestyle is found in Acts chapter 2, 42 through 45. In Acts 2, Luke is describing the lifestyle or life practices that the earliest disciples adopted in order to make other disciples. And here's what that passage says. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Now we can really boil this paragraph down to three essential bare minimums that disciples base their entire lives around. And these are Christian education, fellowship, and mission. Christian education, fellowship, and mission. Unfortunately, the American church today is one of the most biblical, illiterate churches of all time. By and large, we don't know our Bibles all that well. The early church made knowing their Bibles an absolute priority. They understood that in order to pursue Christ, they had to know about him. They had to know about his presence in the book of Genesis all the way through Revelation. And they understood if they were to pursue his priorities in the world, that scripture was the only way that they could understand exactly what those priorities were. So, they diligently spent time learning the apostles' teachings as they were unfolding the scriptures to them. So, a true disciple takes the time to know their Bibles well. And if we think back to this, we can't just add something to our lives in order to become a disciple. We have to think that that. Time it takes to go through learning our Bibles well is too much time to just simply tack on at the front end or the end of our day. It requires an entire life reorientation in order for it to fit into our lives. Because we don't just fit it into our lives, we build our lives around it. As Adam and I have said in the past, fellowship is far more than friendship. It is intentional community with God and with one another. The early church called one another brother and sister and called God father. And they did this because that was the best language that they could have to really describe the reality of their relationship. They spent that much time fellowshipping with God and fellowshipping with one another that it only made sense to use the language of father in terms of their relationship to God and brother and sister in terms of one of their relationships with each other. Today, I think we use those terms more as a, as a tagline. We call God Father, but we don't actually incorporate him into our lives in such a way that he is truly a father to us. And I don't think that we truly invest a lot of time in our relationships with our other fellow believers in Christ at such a magnitude that we could truly call one another brothers and sisters. So we've turned them into a bit of a tagline. True fellowship is a time commitment. It's not something that we can add to the front or to the end of our lives or try to sandwich in. It's something that we have to build our lives around. It means slowing down to build an intimate relationship with other believers. Finally, a true disciple is engaged in mission. In other words, they are using their God-given gifts, talents, and abilities to introduce others to Jesus. If we stop after a Christian education, and if we stop after fellowship and never move on to mission, then we are not really a true disciple. And we're going to talk about this a little bit more later. So how important is discipleship? It's so important that it's the very mission that Christ gave the church. Here's Jesus' final instructions to his disciples in the book of Matthew. And we usually call those instructions the Great Commission. It says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Notice that it doesn't say, Go and make converts, it doesn't say, Just go and evangelize, tell people the good news. The mission of the church has always been to make disciples that make disciples. It's always been about intentionally journeying in a relationship with other people. Now Wopsle is going to share a bit more about how families at Redeemer can progress in their their discipleship relationship.
2: Well, thank you, Dave. Um, yeah, so, so part of what I get to do here is focus on family discipleship. But I think it's important to define that because every one of you is a part of a family, right? If you're in seventh grade or if you're 70, um, you're a part of a family. So what do, what do we mean when we're developing resources or putting on programs for family discipleship? Here's kind of a, a rough definition is um, one or more adults that are living with or at least really investing in The discipleship of a young person, meaning um, like a a high school senior or younger, that's kind of the window. So, if you feel like yes, if you feel like you're on the hook for a a high school senior or younger and, and their spiritual development, then family discipleship is is kind of the umbrella that we're putting on what we're trying to equip us all to grow in together. And so, kind of to, to get us started here, I want to tell you a story that, that meant a lot to me whenever I was a teenager, learning how to follow Jesus, that has helped me a lot since then. It comes from the book of Ezekiel, and it's going to be in chapter 47, but before we get there, let's do a little backstory on Ezekiel. So Ezekiel was a prophet of God, and he, um, he had some of those things that he had to tell the people of God that weren't real popular. They were kind of those tough things to hear, like we all need to hear sometimes. And so most of Ezekiel is actually a pretty tough read, But then toward the end of Ezekiel, um, he he gets the privilege of reminding the people of God about the promises of God. Ezekiel 37 is that famous part about the valley of dry bones where there's all this deadness and then God brings new life into them and they get up and start walking around. So the end of Ezekiel is this picture of hope and how God hopes to restore things. In chapter 40, uh, Ezekiel starts telling this picture of this temple and this guy is leading him around showing him the different parts of this temple. Um, for six chapters. And the guy says in there, he says, take down everything that you see because you need to communicate this to the people of God. And boy, does Ezekiel do that. In the next six chapters, uh, in the description of this temple, he uses the word cubit 108 times. He is down to the cubit measuring all the things of this temple. But it's important to remember that just like most of the revelations of God in the, from, the, from the prophets, um, it's not about this building, right? It's not just about the cubits. There's actually something much bigger than that going on. For example, the the glory of God returns to this temple in chapter 43. And in chapter 44, sacrifices resume. And so you see this picture, not just of God building a temple, but God restoring things to the way that they're supposed to be. So then when we get to chapter 47, that's where we're going to dig in to see something happening just outside of the temple. We'll start in verse 2. It says, He then brought me out through the north gate, led me around the outside to the outer gate facing east, And the water was trickling from the south side. Now, all those directions aren't the most important part of this. But this water that's trickling here at this part is what we're going to focus in on, okay? So it just starts as a trickle. But the verse goes on. It says, As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits and then led me through the water that was ankle deep. He measured off another thousand cubits and led me through water that was knee deep. He measured off another thousand and led me through water that was up to the waist. He measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in, a river that no one could cross. So let me make sure that we're all on the same page here. There's this river and it's getting deeper and deeper as it goes, right? It started as a trickle, then it's just ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then over his head. And This is a picture of our relationship with God, or more specifically of our um, increasing trust in God. Right? We would all probably say that we know that the invitation to follow Jesus is a call to die to ourselves, to give control over to this good God that knows all and has a plan for us, but yet knowing that, sometimes we stay in the ankle-deep water, don't we, where we have control. Or even the knee-deep or the waist-deep, right? It's, it's like we want to be in the river, but we also want to keep some control for ourselves. And so you may be saying, well, what does this have to do with family discipleship? Well, here's what I think it is. If you are an adult that is investing in the spiritual life of a young person in any way, then this is what you want for them, right? You want them to step out into the deep end with God, to to trust God with their identities and with their actions and with their futures and to, to live in a way that is fully devoted. That's what we want for them. But yet I'm afraid that so many times, and this is true of myself sometimes, is that we're standing on the edge of the river trying to convince them to jump. When I think maybe discipleship looks more like us treading water in the river, inviting them to jump to us, right? Or I think sometimes maybe we're in the ankle deep water expecting them to go downstream and our kids are saying, but you're not going, so why would I go? Um, this year our church has had a, a five kind of things that we focused on as a church and one of them is is prayer And so for each of those five we've developed a little tool for you to take home And kind of go through we had a reconciliation one and a fasting one This is the third one this year. that's on prayer It's new today out there on the family discipleship wall In fact, it's so new that the family doesn't match the res- the, 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 the sign doesn't match the resource yet But um, you can grab this today if you want to this is just a thing for you to go through with your family To learn about prayer together um Here's the thing is, though, is if you take this home and just kind of unfold it and kind of lay it over your kids and say, I think that fixed them. That's not how this is, right? This isn't the medicine to give to them to fix them. This is a prayer guide for you and your family to dig into, to grow to, to experience these things together, to play Jenga is the thing we came up with right here. Um, that's what this thing is, right? It's for you all to grow together. Family discipleship is not like a, a copy and paste onto anyone. It is something more than that. Let me tell you what family discipleship is. My four-year-old son, Coda, we, were, we would pray every, all the time. And since COVID started, he keeps on praying for COVID. And Friday night, he said, when we were praying for COVID, Coda said, I don't think God's listening about COVID. And you know what discipleship is? Is saying, holy cow, man, let's wrestle with that. Let's talk about that, because that's some heavy stuff, and we're trying to pray, and we don't always see God in it, and we got in it together. I didn't have some profound answer for him, but that's discipleship. Here's the deal. Family discipleship, church, is is personal discipleship, and if if you are willing to grow alongside of your kids, then your kids will be able to grow alongside of you as well. And so now here's Dave to share a little bit more about what personal discipleship looks like here at Redeemer.
1: I would love to tell you that Redeemer has all of the programming to turn you into a fantastic disciple. Unfortunately, that just wouldn't be true. I can't force you to become a disciple. Redeemer can't program your way into becoming a disciple. A disciple is an individual commitment to a new life. You and you alone are in charge of your discipleship journey in partnership with the Holy Spirit. All we can do is partner with you along the journey as you step out into discipleship. As such, we have developed here at Redeemer a lot of programming which corresponds to the three basic parts that we have outlined as the lifestyle of discipleship, which are Christian education, fellowship, and mission. So let's talk through all of our programming options that we offer to help us progress in our discipleship. I'm excited to be rolling out something new to Redeemer, and that's called our equip classes. And equipped classes are here to provide excellent instructional resources. Many of these classes will be taught by various staff of Redeemer seeking to equip people with more tools for lay leadership or for the Christian life in general. And here are some examples of some of those classes. We're going to be reviewing how to study your Bible Preaching and Teaching 101, financial literacy, biblical languages, evangelism, apologetics, parenting courses, marriage conferences. We have a whole litany of courses that we're designing to help kind of partner in that gap of Christian education and to help meet the need of biblical literacy. As I'm sure you can tell, the primary emphasis in this programming is to in these equipped classes is Christian education. But I promise that there's going to be plenty of time to develop relationships as well. On Sunday mornings, we offer four different adult Sunday school classes. We have an 8:30 class called Sultan Light for our early risers, a 9:30 class called Fuel, which is geared towards our younger families. We have a nine, another 9:30 class called Generations, which is a intentional, multi-generational learning group. And at 11 o'clock, we have a Sunday school class called Solid Rock. And this group has kept Sunday school alive at Redeemer over the decades. And Sunday school is a program where people can learn more about who God is and how he has revealed himself in his scriptures. And all of our Sunday school teachers know their scriptures well. And these communities are really kind of like small, large small groups that seek to know their Bible well, but also seek to know one another better. As such, their focus leans a bit towards Christian education, but includes a good bit of fellowship as well. Now, the primary emphasis in our small group ministries is fellowship. And as we've already said, we believe fellowship is far more than just Friendship. It is a deep commitment to one another as we journey to become more Christ like. Therefore, in our small groups, we ask leaders to be intentional in their community formation so that people can grow deeper in their relationship with others and with Christ. Small groups at Redeemer have an inherently relational emphasis. And this means we work hard to foster deep, meaningful relationships. With one another. Overall, we want our small group experience to be a place where people can find long lasting community and where we can encourage one another to live more Christ like lives. Now, we also have gender specific ministries here at Redeemer we have a men's ministry and we have a women's ministry. And we believe that there are nuances in the needs of men and women. Therefore, we offer discipleship programming specifically geared towards those needs. Both women and men's programming are led by the attenders of Redeemer, and they each have their own teams and discuss the various needs of women and men at various stages of life, and we design programming around those stages. Furthermore, compared to our other discipleship opportunities, men's ministry and women's ministry is intentionally multi-generational because we believe that it's important for younger adults to learn from older adults and vice versa. And finally, an age demographic that often falls through the cracks in the life of the church is young adults. So we want Redeemer to be a place where young adults can feel deep community, and belonging as they progress in their discipleship journey. As such, we are in the works of developing a young adult ministry. So if you're a young adult, be looking for more information to be following so that you can get plugged into an excellent community. And although I'm a bit biased, I think all of our programming is great. But unless if we commit to a lifestyle of discipleship, we can go through all of this tremendous programming and still not become a disciple. And what's more is if you've noticed, we haven't even begun to talk about mission. And what does it mean for us to be missionally involved? Because we can reorient our lives around Christian education. We can reorient our lives around fellowship. And if we just do those two things well and leave off mission, we have really failed in our discipleship journey. And I know Wopsle has a lot of great ideas on that topic. So listen to him as he goes on
2: oh man thanks again dave you know so dave gave in my opinion a great definition of what discipleship really means to us and it's christian education right learning our bible absolutely an authentic fellowship with other believers but then also including service in that because i think maybe before he and i started talking i would have said that service is kind of the the end result of good discipleship once you know enough then you should start serving but if I look back at my life, I can totally attest to serving has been a part of the process of me discovering who God would have me to be. And so I think it's true for us here at Redeemer, right? Yes, we need you to serve or we wouldn't be able to do the great ministries that we do. But it's also at the same time, it's a part of your journey in becoming God who, who God wants you to be. A lot of that journey is found in your serving. So I want to, this morning, give you a picture of um, how God might be revealing to you where you could serve here in our local church context. So the first one is probably the most obvious to you, and it's um, the things that you're talented at or the abilities that you already have. This is the thing when we get up here and we say that we have a need, and you're like, I can do that. Then you sign up and you you say, yes, you can do it. Maybe it's something you're naturally gifted at, like numbers, so you help on the finance team. Or maybe it's like you got really good at the guitar, and it's a talent that you've developed over the years, so you serve with us there. So these are the things that you already know about yourself. You know you're good at them, and that's kind of the obvious place that we usually start looking to serve. But then also there's this other circle of things that are these passions, just things that you're passionate about. And while there's certainly going to be some overlap between things that you're passionate about and things that you're talented in, that's right, probably how you got good at it, I also think there can be things that we're passionate about that's just got a stirring in our hearts. For example, I think that you could be passionate about prison ministry even if you've never been incarcerated. Or, that was a joke, most I don't think it was that, but like, you don't have to have gone to prison to care about that. You could hear about it and know about it, and you could be passionate about it And have no experience there. Does that make sense? In fact, I think a lot of times, God doesn't stir passions in us because of where we've been. No, usually God puts these passions in us to take us somewhere where we're not yet. So what are you passionate about that God is stirring inside of you? And then the third thing is maybe kind of the most obvious one, but it's the church's needs. What needs are being communicated to you that we need filled And so we've got these three different circles here that are probably things that are going to bring to your mind areas that you could serve. And what I'm afraid, church, is sometimes we do this, is we wait for that sweet spot. We wait for that dead center spot to say, man, as soon as the church says they need something that I'm great at and passionate about, I'm in. And whereas, yes, that might be the goal for us to serve in that sweet spot long term, if we're waiting for that to materialize before we start serving, I'm afraid some of us will never start serving. So what I'm going to ask you to do um, today and over this next season of Redeemer Church's life is consider finding a place where two of these circles overlap and step in to serve there and then see what God does. Let me give you just an example. Maybe you're passionate about what happens up here on the stage. You see the lights and the screens and all the kind of stuff and there's all this production that goes on in here and maybe you're like, I would love to be a part of that. I'm telling you right now, we have a need for that. There's still more things we want to do in production that we don't have the hands to do. So I'm telling you there's a need, and if you're passionate about it, even if you're not good at it, we want you to step in and serve there. We would love to help you get good at the stuff with production. Everybody that run lights here uh, learned how to run lights here from people that knew how to run lights here in that booth. No one came in an expert. We partnered and, and we taught. So if you're passionate about something and you know there's a need, let us help you step in. Step out into that service and let us help you get good at it. Also, maybe you're passionate about something and you're really good at it, but we've never communicated a need. We would love to hear about that. We have a man in our church recently who said, I'm passionate about video. It's not my main job, but I love to do it. And I have all the equipment and the ability. Um, is there a need? And we kind of said, well, you know, maybe so. Let, let's talk. And it turns out he stepped up and made some great videos for us. And he's filled a huge need that we actually didn't know we had. It's why we weren't communicating it. So if you're passionate about something and you're able to do it well, let us know because you may have something that we didn't know that we needed. And then the last, of course, where the two circles overlap is if the if the church communicates a need that we have, that you have the ability to meet but you're not passionate about, I just want to respectfully say maybe you step into that and do it and see what God does. Maybe he'll reignite that passion in your heart, but even if he doesn't, you know, good stuff's still going to happen. People are still going to get their coffee. The door's going to be held. The baby's going to be loved on. Um, It's not too bad of a deal to to serve in a place and see what God can do. Speaking of that, I want to tell you about my friend Tom. Um, Tom was about 40 at the time of this story, and he was uh, single, never been married, didn't have any kids, and he owned a heating and air company, so he's pretty successful, and he was sitting in church one day, not serving anywhere, and the pastor got up and said, we need you to serve. He said, in fact... Um, we have we need men to serve in the kids ministry because it was predominantly moms and women serving We wanted some guys in there. And so tom sat there and he said the church told me I have a need He said there. Um, technically i'm a man So I I have the ability to fill that need So i'll step in tom would tell you he did not have a passion for kids He definitely didn't love them. I'm not sure that he'd tell you that he liked them But he was willing to step in to this role and serve well After he served there for a couple months, we did a camp there for kids whose parents were incarcerated. So he showed up to serve at that camp to love on these kids. And then through that, he found out that we actually went into the prison system and recorded the parents of these kids reading books. And then we delivered those videos to the kids. It's a very, very sweet, incredible ministry. So Tom came with us to do that, to meet these kids' parents. Well, the videographers that were helping us on that project were also a big pro- part of a project in Uganda where we were hiring Ugandans to farm these fields that then the food that they grew went to, to feed these schools. So we were, it, was, it was this incredible ministry. And so Tom went with them. And he met them because they were the same filmmakers doing the, both projects. Tom goes to Uganda and sees this with his own eyes and begins to go you know, regularly over a few years, and then eventually he sold a big part of his business and moved to Uganda to oversee the irrigation project on these three different potato fields that we were doing. And then fast forward to the best part of the story. Tom would tell you he met his wife in Uganda and got married. Now they have two beautiful kids. I talked to him on the phone this week, and he gave me a picture of he and his family. Here they are. That's Tom and his wife, and their two beautiful children. What an incredible picture of what God had for this guy. He had no idea that was the plan the day that he stepped out and started serving in kids' ministry. And I don't want to scare you away and say, if you're serving kids ministry, you might end up overseas. God, God doesn't do that very often. But here's what God does. Here's what I know. If Tom had been sitting there in that church that Sunday morning, and God would have said, Tom, move to Uganda. Ooh. Tom wouldn't have done it, right? And I wouldn't either, and probably neither would you. It's too big of a leap, and we can't imagine that what God is doing. But if God says, Serve with kids. Okay, now do this camp that kids are doing. Now, those kids go meet their parents. Hey, this film crew, go with them to do this other thing. Hey, move here long term. Hey, marry this woman. If God told us the end result of the plans He has for us, we probably wouldn't do it because we don't believe that He could possibly be doing something that big and incredible. He often leads us by inviting us to step out in small little ways. I'll also say, I think sometimes we stand there and we say, God, direct my steps take me where you want me i'll do anything just make you know be a lamp into my feet and let's go and i think god sometimes is saying hey you've got to take a step for me to direct a step doesn't mean you have to step all the way to the end result but if you take one step here i can help that foot land in a way that then your next foot can go and land in a way that we will find ourselves walking on this path of discipleship to becoming the people that god wants us to become so if this is all very overwhelming and you're saying, well, so this all sounds good, but where do I start? I've got good news for you. We have a person on staff. Her name is Amy Sineya. You've met her. She's been up here praying with us. She's our missions and outreach director. Um, part of her job is to get you connected to serving. So if you're like, I don't know who's over kids ministry, or I don't know if this thing is care or missions, or maybe you're just like, I don't know how to spell Wopsle." That's okay. Nobody does. You can email Amy by just emailing serve. At RedeemerTulsa.org. You could just email that and say, hey, hey, random person, you don't even have to remember Amy. You could say, hey, these are the places where two of those circles overlap. I would love help in finding a way to connect in that area of ministry, and Amy will get to help you find that. This week, I told Amy that I was going to mention her, and I said, Amy, can you give me a, a, a quote or some picture of why is it important for people to serve in the local church? And this is the the thing that Amy sent me before before she ever heard the story about my friend Tom. This is why Amy said it's important to serve in the local church. She said, serve where God planted you today to prepare you for where he calls you tomorrow. There is something about saying yes to God in this thing that you feel you might be called to that positions you in a place to say yes to the next thing that God is going to call you. God has designed each and every one of us with gifts to serve his church. It's time for us to really consider what does it mean for us to step out into that space. Would you pray with me, church? God, we are so humbled that you would show us mercy and grace and love us so well. God, we acknowledge that every gift we have comes from you. Our talents, our time, and our gifts treasure as well God so as we return those things to you we just simply and humbly ask that you would show us where to go God we we commit to taking steps and God ask that you would just continue to direct those steps God and I pray for a wave over Redeemer Church of people stepping out to serve you in a way that they never knew so that they can find out there's a life that you have for them that they never would have imagined God we love you we give our hearts to you, and we give our gifts and our talents to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Once again, thank you for listening to the Redeemer Church podcast. To stay connected to all that God is doing here at Redeemer, visit our website at RedeemerTulsa.org or connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.
2: Have a blessed week.